Hello and welcome to Housekeeping Numero Deuce. The <laughs> <laughs> The Paternity episode. I'm Meerkat. And I'm Elk. And today we are going, as I said, through paternity, season one, episode two of the series House. Um First things first, neither of us are medical doctors of any kind. Nothing that we say on the show should be taken as medical advice. We also, for this one, want to give a little bit of a content warning. We will be talking about sexual abuse very briefly. We're not going into any sort of detail, but we wanted to go ahead and put that out there. Anything else we need to take care of today? Uh, nothing about this episode. I, I did forget to say something last episode. How? We talked for an hour and a half. <laughs> well, it was about my uh, conspiracy theory about how she got her <laughs> uh, neurocystosarcosis. Yes. Um, so we talked about how uh, usually, or they suggest that she got it from infected pork, but we found in our research while we were looking into it that usually that's not how people get it because of the way the tapeworm's life cycle works like it it has to have a first host and then it has to have a second host and then it has its final host or whatever where it's a full-blown tapeworm um so usually when it starts shedding eggs as a full-blown tapeworm it's isn't you're not going to see that kind of stuff um like getting into your bloodstream or whatever usually um from what we found is you get it from ingesting uh infected human fecal matter yummy shit (laughs) shit yes (laughs) literal shit um and so i had a theory about how she caught it they mentioned in the episode whenever uh foreman is suggesting that it might be psittacosis that she's likely to have much better hygiene than her kids so uh she probably wouldn't have gotten it she'd be washing her hands um after she handled the parrot but that is suggesting that the kids don't have good hygiene and if one of them has a tapeworm and went to the bathroom and took a little dookie. And uh, she helped them. Yeah. They, how do kids work out? I don't know. They were handling crown, crayons. Crowns. Sorry. <laughs> She's giving me a really <laughs> bad look right now. Crayons. I don't know if that was accent. Crayola. Or just... Crayons. <laughs> Map colors. <laughs> little sour mix. <laughs> uh, crayons or, you know, a drawing or something and their hands were dirty and then she ate a granola bar or you know whatever she yeah. may have gotten it that way so because kids are gross yeah kids are gross so that's his conspiracy theory on how he got it which is a good one i mean it's it's very like it's backed by science but that's not medical advice i'm not a medical doctor as we've discussed so but if you have kids you might have a tapeworm yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying just, just just get yourself checked out i think you may have it all right all right so this week as uh as stated this episode is called paternity uh, the very basic description of it I found was the team helps a high school boy who has double vision and night terrors. Very nondescript. That is, um, putting it lightly. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is the very basic first 30 seconds yeah, kind of so stuff. We'll get a little more into it than that. Oh. Hey, guess what? What? It's time for this week's moment of, hey, I know them. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so the first one, uh, guest starring, uh, Dan, he is the high schooler who has the, uh, problem of the week, um, he is played by, I'm gonna butcher this so hard, Scott Mechlowicz, Mechlowicz, sounds great, I, I'm so bad with, uh, 
names here. Um, some other things that he's on. He plays Brian on the movie Demonic. Um, that's the one with uh, Jessica Alba where they're like trying to document um, her childhood house or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's the head documentarian. Uh, and then he's Do- also on docu- documentarian. Documentarian. <laughs> documentarian. All right, here we go. Veterinarian. Um, he's also on Eurotrip. Uh, Want to know who he is on there? I don't know what your trip is. If you've ever heard or said the phrase, Scotty doesn't know, he is the Scotty that doesn't know. Like the song? Yeah. Yeah, he is the Scotty being described in that song. Well, I'm Fiona. Uh, Who's, is, I haven't heard the song in a long time. I just know the phrase, Scotty doesn't know, that Matt Damon sings it. We'll talk about it later. These are, (laughs) we'll discuss it later. I'm I'm on the phone. Uh, Dan's father is played by Robin Thomas. Um, personally, I didn't recognize him from anything. Um, his IMDb page says he's on uh, Pacific Rim as one of the minor military characters. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But a bigger role was he plays uh, Marco Serrano on the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. So if any of you recognized him, that may be where it's from. Uh, Dan's mother's played by Wendy Gazelle. Wendy... Why are you like, I don't know anything. <laughs> just, I just like, I want to see your reaction. Um, she's had nothing major. She's had a lot of minor roles in tons of TV shows. Um, the dad on, has too. Yeah. Uh, she's been on The X-Files, ER, CSI, The Practice. She's been on a lot of stuff. I think everyone has been on CSI. I think we've At probably point, been on CSI and we just I don't mean, know it. Yeah, probably in that one episode with Justin Bieber. <laughs> Do you know he's been on CSI? If everyone's been on CSI. Okay. I gotta go. Okay. Well, it's okay. Things happen. Okay. Um, Alex Scooby as John Funston. Scooby? Scooby Dubert. Dubert. Uh, he is one of House's clinic patients who mm-hmm. uh, does some stuff that we'll get into. Um, he's had a whole bunch of TV roles. Uh, he played Doug Prusin Esquire on King of Queens. Um, and Detective Joe Gray on The Fosters. Uh, and I, I don't know him, but maybe some of you guys do. Never met him. Uh, we have Kylie Cochran as the young anti-vaxxer mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, she's done a bunch of TV roles, too. Again, none that I've personally recognized her or seen her in. Uh, when I saw her, I thought she looked familiar. Like, maybe she just has one of those faces... With the things, like the... Like a nose? And two eyes. Yeah. And therefore, I've, yeah. I've seen them before. Yeah. Um, but one thing I guess I might recognize her from, she was Allison Robbins on The Paper Brigade, which was uh, a movie, like a Disney movie that they had on all the time. Never seen it. No. It's a good I... movie. It has Robert England. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Robert England. He's uh, <laughs> Freddy Krueger. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's on a lot, but he he was on that show too, yeah. or that movie, um, and she was the girl the main character was trying to impress by having a paper route. I, I think the boobs work better than the paper route, but that's just <laughs> his me. boobs. No, he's trying to impress her. Oh. He didn't show her <laughs> him titties. Show me the man titties. Man titties. There we go. And then um, Paul Gannis is. Uh, very beginning you only see him once he's the trainer who runs up to dan whenever 
we are in our opening scene. Uh, he's done a lot of films and TV shows. Um, again, none that I personally recognize, but you might recognize him as Desk Cop Number Two on Lethal Weapon Three. <laughs> <laughs> you That's might good. recognize well, him. Well, I know every second of that one. So, <laughs> are you sure he wasn't Desk Cop Number Four? I just, uh, I don't know. It's a blur. I mean, Number Two is pretty high billing for Desk Cop. Is it? Then, no, I don't know. I'm gonna <laughs> they didn't even bother to give him a name. I, I'm going to assume he doesn't speak, so... Probably not, no. I would assume he didn't make too Maybe much he had an important scene where he looks up or, you know, You get to like look that. into his eyes, and you're like, man, you are desk cop number two. Yes, we are. Aren't we all a little bit desk cop, <laughs> desk cop number two? Can we get into this? Yeah, okay. Are, are you done start. yet? Yeah, that's actually the last one. Good okay, timing. cool. <laughs> okay, so let's start out with this story. Uh... Dan, who is a high school lacrosse player. I believe he's 16. Yes, I okay. I got I, the feeling I he was 16 too. I think they say too. at one yeah. point, 16-year-old. Yeah, because yeah, they bring that up at some point. Um, so he is playing uh, lacrosse. Lacroix. Lacroix. That's how it's pronounced. Lacroix? <laughs> <laughs> he, okay. <laughs> Guys, I just woke up from a nap, so I'm... Giggly uh, AF. It's going to be a fun okay episode. That. That's okay. fun. Let's go. We want it to be fun. Um, so he, while he's playing, he suddenly gets double vision and he gets body checked by one of his opponents. It falls to the ground. He's got blood on his face. Him big disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and while he in the show seems to still be conscious, he's very unresponsive. Like, it looks like he's still awake, but the trainer's trying to talk to him, get him to say something, and he's, he's just kind of looking around. He's out of it, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, we jump to House, who's hanging out in a clinic room. Uh, he does not want to see anyone else, because he's about to get off. Um, apparently, he has no cases right now, so he's got Cameron answering his mail while, uh, while Chase and Foreman are doing a crossword puzzle together. So, glad yep. to know... One of them actually wants to find something useful to do. To, to be fair, when I was working in a hospital, I did lots of crossword puzzles <laughs> because I had so much downtime. You weren't an immunologist, though. No, I was not. But it, I did just brought back fond memories. What about... What, what's what the, about us? What's the number crossword? Sudoku? No, that's not... Yeah, that's it. I think Was that weird? Thank yeah. you. With the boxes? Yeah. Yeah. And the, I, the I did those too. Yeah. Cool. I, <laughs> I really upped my puzzle game while I was working there. Got all the way to those medium puzzles. It's I, a really good supervisor. I actually got my stuff done, so... Well, you supervised me at one point, so... Yeah, not at the hospital. No. Well, not an official role when I was in the hospital, yes, yes. but... Also that's then. a different story right for Someday a different we'll different we'll, podcast we'll do an episode on you yeah maybe we can uh talk to one of my doctors and see what i'd really love to find that i still haven't seen the video yeah okay back on track get back okay. on track back to it uh so dan and his parents uh are waiting in the clinic to see house um they actually have a letter for him that they say he signed saying he would see them uh cameron forged his signature and let them know, oh yeah, we'll help you out, which House isn't happy about. But he hears from Cameron that the kid is suffering from night terrors. So he instantly gets interested. Um, 
he goes to Dan directly, which is odd because he never talks to patients directly. Um, does a quick examination. He asks him to name animals that start with a B, and Dan can't really think of any. He comes up with baby elephant. Um, so House points out that if he's having night terrors, uh, usually that means one of two things. Either he's suffering from PTSD from some horrific trauma or uh, sexual abuse, and uh, Dan and his parents deny both of them. So... Tell us a little bit about Night Terrors. Okay. Cool. So, Night Terrors are different than just nightmares, um, which they do talk a little bit about in the episode. So, it has to do with where you are in your REM sleep, which is rapid eye movement, um, and how you're reacting with that, and then also EEG activity, which EEG comes up a couple times, is um, electroencephalography. So that is the electrical activity in the brain. Okay. Um, so they do, you know, they end up doing a sleep study on him and looking at him, and that's what they're looking at is the sleep, or the, uh, the activity in his brain while he's sleeping. So that's kind of what differentiates it. These can cause feelings of panic and absolute dread. Um, they're never good. Um, I think Night Terror kind of covers does, that. That was a good name. It does allude to that, yeah. Um, generally, they last one to ten minutes, which I cannot imagine. So I have Night Terrors, and I have my whole life. Normally, it's a lot more common in kids, which a lot of things like this are. Um, as adults, only 2.2% of people have them. So I got lucky. And mine did. Did you? I don't have them nearly as often anymore, but um, I... Also, PTSD and sexual abuse. Got those, so it makes sense that I have them, which was like a light bulb moment to me. Um, so yeah, one to ten minutes. I don't know how long I would say mine normally are, but they're like two, three minutes tops. They are dreams, right? Like, what do you mean? Essentially, a night terror is going to happen while you're asleep. Yeah. Okay, so it's 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 not just a nightmare, but it is going to happen while you're asleep. It's like... yeah crazy nightmare affects your body i would assume well so think about your brain going high activity right your mind is racing and kind of panicky like if you have a panic attack it's almost it's like a panic attack in your sleep almost kind of okay yeah um there are obviously differences but yeah it's kind of like that and you you kind of get locked into it so even if you're with me personally, um, sometimes I, I know it's happening. So I'm kind of conscious, but I can't get out of it. I can't wake up. Yeah. Even if I'm consciously thinking, like, I want to wake up so that this will stop, I can't do that. And I also sometimes can wake up, and if I fall asleep, I go right back into it. Yeah. So Which I don't know if that's normal. That's just my personal experience. But yeah, so that's where um, night terrors differentiate from nightmares they it is actually different in your brain yeah it's not just hey bad dream i found it interesting they're, they're very real so, yeah which we see an example of it like yeah they thinks, actually show it in the episode him yeah. having a night terror um i found it interesting that house even bothered to see the kid because something like that like ptsd or sexual abuse he's a medical doctor he's not gonna do anything 
about that. He wouldn't be able to help the kid necessarily. All he could really do was well, it is point re- it out. I mean, it is reportable, though. Yeah, that's true. So I was a little surprised, like, normally you would want to kind of separate them. Yeah. Because he's not going to say in front of his dad if he was the one doing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, you know. He's being inappropriate. Yeah, he's doing these things. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess they, they kind of played it for time's sake to have both of them in the room at the same time. Yeah. Um, but again, they both, they all deny it. Dan denies it. says, no, nothing like that's happened. The parents deny it too. Um, so with that out of the way, uh, house is heading out or whatever. Um, Dan tells him that he got hit in the head during the game. So house is like, oh, well, okay, you got a concussion. But the parents say, no, he had an MRI done or he had tests done and they said it wasn't a concussion and he had his double vision before he actually got hit. But again, yeah, House That was is, like why he got hit. Yeah, because he, he had double vision. He stopped moving in the game. People didn't realize that's what was going on. So he got hit. That's what happens. Hold on. Stop recording. I got a sneeze. You can leave that in. <laughs> Fine. It's got, My sneezes are... You don't want them in this podcast. <laughs> Total obliteration. Uh, so... Again, House dismisses it, and he's like, no, you you got a concussion, or, okay, so you had double vision beforehand. If you don't have a concussion, then you just need glasses. Like, that's totally normal. I'm leaving. But he notices, um, as he's leaving, that Dan, uh, his leg is twitching in a very particular way. And so he, uh, he says Dan is having something known as a myoclonic jerk. Um, and because of this, he admits him. So... Tell us a little bit about what that is. I will. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Please. Um, I'll say please. Thanks. Yeah. So a myoclonic jerk is something that probably everybody has experienced. When you are falling asleep and all of a sudden your body thinks you're falling, mm. right? And you like do that giant jerk and it's you're like, what the hell just happened to me? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That is a myoclonic jerk. Same as this is. Um, there's tons of different types of these they range in how intense they are they also don't seem to have to be like when you're sleeping um they i know they don't have to be so it's kind of weird that he explained it to them as oh it's what happens when you're sleeping mm-hmm. because that's not that ain't he kinda, it he, i mean it's he says i guess his explanation yeah it does have to do with him falling asleep he says as if as you're falling asleep, your body starts slowing down and all of that, right. and then the brain Thinks you're dying interprets it as dying, Which so it can sends happen. a pulse out. I mean, that is, like, yeah. one type. It's it's fine. Um, anyway, so it is a involuntary twitch. Um, they're normal mm-hmm. until they're becoming, like, frequent. Yeah. That's when it's a problem. Um, it is normally a late stage symptom it can be a symptom for a lot of different things but normally this isn't a oh you just got this so now you're having it which i'll actually talk about a little bit later when we talk about stages of of what he actually has um but yeah this isn't like symptom number one you're already in it and your brain is already having issues if this is happening um interesting the patient is not actually conscious during these twitches but they're so brief that no one would ever notice. It's technically a seizure. Hmm. Just mm-hmm. in like a very particular spot, or can it be entire body? Yeah. Or... 
It's mm. just like your brain's not conscious during that point two <laughs> seconds. That moment. Um, also interesting, hiccups are a myoclonic jerk. Yeah. Okay. So I guess House picks up on it. In this case, he thinks it's interesting because in his mind, he shouldn't be awake when this is happening, especially if it's happening. Because it happens a couple times. Right. He, he sees him twitch his leg Which three means or four it times. it is a problem. Yeah. So he admits Dan. Um, so he starts the differential diagnosis with his team. Uh, Foreman thinks it's possibly a neurological problem because, of course, he does. What a shock. Such, such shock. Wow. Uh, but if it is, he believes it couldn't be treated, so they, they move on. Um, Chase thinks it could be an infection, but uh, House rules that out right off the bat. Uh, so they decide at this moment, or House brings up the fact that he believes Cameron didn't get an accurate family history because he believes that Dan's father is not actually his father. Um, so he makes a bet with Foreman at this moment that's Dan's dad isn't actually his biological father. And eventually, Dr. Cameron, Dr. Wilson, and Dr. Cuddy get in on the bet. But that happens later as the episode progresses. Kind of throughout it, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Cameron then suggests uh, lupoencephalopathy. Um, Luco. Luco? Oh, yeah. I, I said lupo. No. Wow. Well, lupoencephalopathy. Thank you. Um but Chase says, ah, it doesn't have to be that serious. If you rule out the night terrors, uh, it could be something systemic. Uh, it could be something going on outside the brain, like in his liver or something. Um, and I'm going to ask me what leukoencephalopathy means. Well, I was about to. I had to finish that sentence. <laughs> Tell me what lupupicoencephalopathy. Uh, you're not going to like it. It's, it's just an issue with the white matter in your brain. Oh. It's a very general term. Yeah. So some symptoms... That could show this are clumsiness, difficulty walking, facial drooping, loss of vision, personality changes, trouble speaking, weak muscles, that kind of thing. Hmm. Which isn't wrong, actually. He, we'll get into it, but he actually does have leukoencephalopathy. Or a a version of it, I guess. He's got a more specific term than... Um, yes. Okay. But we'll... We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get into it. Right. But she's not wrong. Oh. He does have a white matter issue. So, uh, in order to figure out whether these night terrors are just uh, something that he said, uh, or if it's actually happening, he orders a polysomnograph, which was the sleep study you mentioned had one of those. before. Yeah. Yeah, I had one of those for uh, uh, sleep apnea. That's what they were. And I got it. I got it. You did good. Thanks. I wish I didn't. <laughs> um, so they confirm that he is indeed having night terrors, which is what we get to see. He's having a dream where House comes in and is going to cut off his toe while he's awake and not at all uh, like numbed up or anything, yeah. or anything like that. So with that out of the way, um, they order an MRI. Uh, and while looking at it, clearly House sees something but the others aren't seeing anything. So uh, Chase just throws out a guess of viral meningitis because he was like, okay, well, House sees something. And um, I don't know, he's being kind of a shill right here. Just a kiss ass throwing That's something very, out. This whole episode. Yeah. He's And it does, I like his way of thinking, right? Because he's, 
he's like, well, if he sees something wrong, there's something wrong. So I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Which is sometimes better than staying silent, especially when you're brainstorming like this. But it's also like, come on, bro, you're one of the best doctors in the country. Yeah, you can do so, better than just throwing he, out a random he's, guess. He's just being a kiss ass. Yeah. Um, so, uh, although he is absolutely wrong, um, <laughs> House believes he sees an upwards arch on the corpus callosum, uh, so he orders a radioisotope examination to confirm multiple sclerosis. God, multiple sclerosis. I should have practiced that before we started recording. <laughs> multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis. Good job, bud. I'll say it the rest of the time. Thank you. I'll just call it MS from here. Oh, uh, great. That's what it's called. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so tell us whatever you know about MS or the corpus callosum. Yeah, I was going to go back a little bit. So corpus callosum um, is the largest collection of white matter in the brain. You'll remember leukoencephalopathy is Mm -hmm. an issue with white matter. So he does actually have some bowing in an upward arch. Um, So the corpus callosum is a nerve bundle that connects the left and right hemisphere of your brain. So any damage to it can cause issues <clears throat> with the sides speaking to each other. I'm dying. <laughs> <clears throat> Get some coffee. Coffee. <sighs> and I'm back. Alright. <clears throat> Noises. Okay. Um yeah, so the sides are going to have problems. Tro- problems. <laughs> Trouble problems. And problems. <laughs> We're doing... Problems. Man, what an episode. Problems. They're having issues. <laughs> um, also, corpus callosum means tough body in Latin. I just want to throw that in there. So... Gains. They... Uh, where am I at? They do a lumbar puncture. Do you want me to talk about that right now? Uh, yeah. Um, just, they... Do it to inject the isotope and all that fun stuff. I can, yeah, I can go, ahead. go into it a little bit. Um, so with a lumbar puncture, also known as a spinal tap, um, you just go between two lumbar vertebrae and you're collecting cerebrospinal fluid normally. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could do this to inject something. I am, I'm sorry. What is happening? <laughs> <clears throat> I'm having issues. It's hot in here. Um... So, a radioisotope, which is what they end up injecting him with, is a radioactive isotope. Never would have guessed. Whoa. Um, and this can be tracked because it's going to give off radiation. So, once you put it in there, you can track it, which is presumably what they do um, to find that blockage yeah, that so they're they talking just track, about. Yeah, so they just it should be following this path. It stopped right here, so mm-hmm. this is where it is. Which, also, when you're doing this through a lumbar puncture, it's called a radionuclide cisternogram oof yeah um that's just like what it's called when you're doing it this way in particular there are other ways to do it so um yeah so they do find a brain ventricle blockage which is called hydrocephalus um this is a i'm dying i'm sorry it's fine i just (laughs) wondered what's happening it hurts yeah it sounds like it so this is a buildup of fluid in the ventricles So normally, your cerebrospinal fluid is constantly kind of washing through your body, right? And it can get reabsorbed by your bloodstream, and you produce the same amount that you're sucking up every day. So, like, your body stays in balance. balance. Mm -hmm. 
But if there's a blockage like this, that fluid gets stuck somewhere, in this case in a brain ventricle, and then it's putting pressure on the vein. On the brain. Jesus. The brain. Take the wheel. <laughs> um, which is causing some issues. So they put in a shunt. Right. Um, so a brain shunt is pretty much just a tube. Um, think of it like a water slide. <laughs> that it's basically Gross. what it is. Um, so in this case, it's going to go from the brain probably down to his abdominal cavity. Um, and it lets excess fluid have a way out. So takes it from the brain, puts it down here, and then it can get reabsorbed by the bloodstream like normal. Okay. Does that all make yeah. mostly sense? Okay. Yeah, I know, um, I mean, a shunt doesn't just have to be for that, like, no. uh, our cat, Bruce, Bruce had one to help mm-hmm. drainage with his wound. Yeah, too. there's, there's all sorts of different shunts. That's why I wanted to talk about this one in particular, because that's probably, they don't really go into it. They're just like, oh yeah, brain shunt. But that's more than likely what they did was have it go to his abdominal cavity. His shunt looked like uh, rigatoni. <laughs> <laughs> Not dance. Uh, that's gross. Cat. Um, we, the, uh, Foreman does say something a little weird. If some of you guys know more about what the hell he's talking about, he tells Dan as he's doing this injection of the isotope that it's going to make him think real deep thoughts at a hundred miles an hour. We couldn't find. I could not find any side effects for having a radioisotope put into your body. Except for, like, making you kind of tired. And obviously lumbar punctures suck, but they don't make you think deep thoughts. I don't know what that was about. Sounds like he was saying, hey, I am going to inject you with LSD in your back. And this is what's going to happen. Do you want me to talk about MS right now? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, cool. So, multiple sclerosis, also known as MS. It's a demyelinating disease. Um, So... It damages the insulation cover that's on, like, your brain and spinal cord nerve cells. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of going to eat away at that. So then you got all this damage and your nervous system might not send signals correctly. <clears throat> um, this can cause double vision, blindness, muscle weakness, coordination issues, um, as well as myoclonus, which the myoclonic jerk. Um I don't. I didn't want to get too far into it because MS is a is a big disease. I yeah. mean, there's a lot that we could talk about. So I just kind of wanted to give that general overview. I mean, yeah. So it it does have symptoms that you could we'll look at this that. and be like, yeah. oh, yeah, MS. Um, they talk a little bit about the McDonald criteria. So I'm going to put this very very simply. Um, it shows damage to the central nervous system that is disseminated in time and disseminated in space those are the two different criteria how much Um, it covered and how long i guess it took to get there or kind of so in time would be like occurring on different dates so it's not all at once okay yes so occurring over time yeah um and then in space yeah found on two or more parts of the central nervous system um and they do talk about the fact that it takes six months to to make that diagnosis because of the time part of that so in a very small nutshell that is the mcdonald's um criteria is that where the multiple comes from the fact that it's got to be happening in more than one spot okay 
Also, McDonald's is Ian McDonald. Okay. He's done a lot of stuff. I'm not gonna. Makes I'm not gonna talk about him, but. Kick-ass chicken nugget. E-I-E-I-O, motherfucker. <laughs> Wait, can I say fuck on here? We've said fuck before. Okay, cool. <laughs> Man, if we can't fucking say fuck, then fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> it's election day. Fuck. Fuck. All right, so, um, while he's doing the lumbar puncture and injection and all of that, uh, Foreman notices a very specific fleck in both Dan's eyes and his father, and he's like, that's a, that's one of those things that, I mean, their eyes are different colors, but something like that should mean that they're related, right? Um, they don't go too far into it, just throws that out there. Um, we next see House, uh, with a clinic patient, um, whose baby, uh, I guess their face started swelling up, um, overnight real big. So, um, House notices that the baby doesn't have any vaccination dates listed and the mom says, oh, we're not vaccinating. So, uh, House tells her straight up, like, you're an idiot. Yeah, you're an idiot. Um, your milk will, your immune system will protect your baby for about six months, but after that, babies on their own and if they don't have vaccinations your kid's probably gonna die which is so, why you get vaccinated yeah. in six months get get vaccinated please do and yeah, please. Uh, he explains that the kids just got a cold nothing nothing crazy just normal that baby kid, kid shit but no because <laughs> no vaccinations yeah. that could be a bigger issue um so that will come up later mm-hmm. uh, it sure will so as uh, she said we find out the blockage is just a symptom um, it's not the cause of his problems. It's just a symptom of whatever's going on with him. Um, whenever they talk about the McDonald criteria, uh, House jokingly mishears them and says, Oh, McPherson? Yeah, he was a terrible doctor, tortured kittens. This was another thing I could not figure out the reference to. I also looked into it and I can't. Looked all over the place. I don't know if... Someone tell us yeah, what, please, <laughs> what this joke is. I don't know if this is like a doctor or researcher or what this has to do with anything. And even but... if it wasn't, I know a lot of weird torture stuff. And like, I listen to well, I some, some podcasts yeah. specifically about torture. I don't know Nothing's what they're talking about. No. Yeah, I, I thought maybe... Yeah, it, it had to do with some kind of experiments or, or something like that. Couldn't find anything. Um, House still thinks it's MS at this point, although it's very rapidly progressing MS because he went from zero to 100 really quickly. At this point, he's only been showing symptoms for three weeks and he's already got all of these issues. So uh, he expects that at this rate, Dan has maybe five years left to live. Um and they end up relaying this to him and his family. And uh, Chase says, you know, we're, we're going to start you on a treatment, um, but we're looking into some specialists to help you out. And it's kind of a really depressing thing because they're like, I mean, we can make you a little com- more comfortable. We can comfortable, delay yeah. the inevitable. <clears throat> um, but we and can't that's stop a it. really awful disease. Yeah. I don't want it. I, and I don't, I feel I've known terrible people with people it and with it's, it. yeah. Uh, so in the middle of the night, <laughs> I know you're going to have something to say about this. Dan goes missing from his room. Um, we'll get to you in a moment. So they fear the worst. He's okay, just gotten this horrible quiet. news. He's not in his room. Where is he? So, uh, Foreman calls house to come back to the, the hospital and he gets there 
And he's like, okay, so you called me because he's out of his room. What am I supposed to do about it? I mean, I'm walking around with a cane. I can't search the whole hospital. And even if you do find him, there's nothing. If it's MS, there's literally nothing I can do at this point. So why am I here? So he ends up going home. Um, but before he does, he tells them to go check the roof because uh, some of the orderlies go out there to smoke every once in a while, so they leave it unlocked. They find him on the roof where he's hallucinating that he's back on his lacrosse field. Um, and he almost walks off the roof, but Chase grabs him just in time. So at this point, it's uh, it's progressed to visual hallucinations. Full-blown hallucinations, yeah. yeah. So uh, what do you have to say about the <laughs> dietitian so that much. finds goes into his room, doesn't see him there, and immediately well, it's, panics? It's not a dietitian. It would be Dietary a dietitian. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay, I have issues with this. First of all, she's wearing the same color scrubs as a couple of other people that are over at the charge nurse's desk, which would lead me to believe... Cause, so normally in hospitals, everyone wears their color of scrubs so that patients can easily tell... You tell, know, like, what par- what mm-hmm. department or whatever they're in. Um, so one, that bothers me. But assuming she's a dietary aide because she's Delivering pushing... Yeah, yeah, she was picking up or whatever... Also, assuming it's around dinner time, right? Because we're dealing with trays and stuff. She has a full thing of it, so it's not like it's middle of the night. Um, no dietary aide would walk into a room, see that their patient isn't there, and then, like, immediately freak out. <laughs> That's not how that works. You don't know. That patient could be out for a smoke with, you know, his nurse or whatever. They could be going on a walk. They could have late-night therapy. They could be in the Literally bathroom. Literally in the bathroom, yeah. There's so many... I, it bothers me so much, and I don't know. There's, they could have just done that a more realistic way. They could have had a nurse go in there who does know. Yeah. Like I imagine dietary aides aren't really privy to what treatments or testing or no, anything are I going mean, on at any given sometimes, moment. Sometimes, like sometimes you'll because you could you would get an order for it that would be yeah. like, hey, you don't need a dinner tray for this patient they're, because yeah, they're testing but or something. But it, it just the really immediate panic me. is. Yeah. Uh, is not very accurate. But maybe, I, like I said, she was wearing the same color scrubs as, you know, I don't know if that was a um, a nurse's aide or a nurse or whoever. Somebody else is wearing those same color scrubs, so maybe they would know. I It just bothers me. <laughs> uh, so, with this, um, House is actually glad to hear that he's hallucinating because it confirms that it is not MS, uh, in his mind at least. Um because he was awake and conscious, uh, it rules out his night terror problem. So apparently, this is uh, these hallucinations or problems are affecting Which, him when I, he's awake and asleep. I feel like you could have both. Yeah, that's I, just I, my I own. Think so. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not, what? I'm not here giving medical advice. I'm going to try to oh. fit that in five times <laughs> every episode. Five times. Warning. Uh, so they decide to go with a. Uh, a ruling of a brain infection. Uh, Cameron suggests neurosyphilis, and House thinks, oh, it's going to take too long to test for that, so let's just give him penicillin, uh, IV penicillin, and we'll go with that. So tell us about neurosyphilis. So I'm not going to get super far into this, um, because syphilis is a big disease with tons of symptoms. Mm -hmm. So neurosyphilis is just syphilis that has gotten into your central nervous system. Um, some of the symptoms would be meningitis, eye issues, stroke, psychosis, delirium. So we are seeing some of those symptoms right now. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a pretty shitty diagnosis, I'll be honest. Okay. 
I'm sorry. His, <laughs> his reasoning for it, um, they're talking about likelihood and all that. His reasoning for it is, uh, this kid's a teenager. He's definitely fucking. I mean, and Dan's a good-looking kid, so he fucking. Which, like, cool, but <laughs> um, that doesn't mean everyone has syphilis. That's true. That's true. No, no, whatever. Unless you go to Texas Tech that one time that that happened. I went to Texas Tech. But you didn't get it during somebody's the outbreak. Gonna, somebody's going to triangulate on our coordinates now and murder us. We're, we're within a thousand miles of Lubbock. <laughs> Come and find me. Come find me. Um, so I, I didn't know if you had any notes about this, but they're talking about um, putting the penicillin directly into his brain like they don't want to bother with just injecting it in his arm or something they want to go directly to the brain and foreman has uh some qualms about it he says oh well that's not a good idea because iv penicillin is a high volume drug and it'll put pressure in his brain because the brain has very little space not Mm -hmm. really much movement in there but then they bring up the fact that because he's got a shunt it'll allow drainage which means they can put in as much as they want uh, did you find out what a high volume drug is? Like, um, I didn't look it up, but I think I know. God, maybe I'm wrong. Um, so some drugs you just, you know, inject like 0.2 cc's or something, right? Like it's a very small amount. Whereas with, um, some you have, you know, like an entire IV bag mm-hmm. full of fluid, right? So that's kind of what we're looking at here is it is a actual high volume of liquid. So... If it's, they need it to go to his brain, because that's where they think the problem is. Um, They'd have to push a lot to make sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's having this blockage and these issues and stuff. He's still, already right? got a swollen brain, right? Yeah, so they don't want to add more to that, but he has the shunt. So it'll just go, if it gets up there, great, it'll go down the shunt and it'll get reabsorbed. Just so they can put like it normal. directly into his brain, not worry about it circulating through his body. And as much as they put in, it'll just strain out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So they say that... Um, they're going to do this for uh, two times every day for two weeks straight, which, God, that's a lot of treatments, especially because they're going to do it with more lumbar punctures. Cool. Rough. Uh, they sound painful, and I don't want to. Um, so while they're doing this treatment, um, Dad asks if it's possible for... Uh, his son to get neurosyphilis without being sexually active, and Foreman says... It's unlikely, but it is possible. I just gotta say, like, this comes up so many times in in other episodes or something like this, but who gives a fuck if your son (laughs) is is having sex, if he's literally dying? Is it more important to you that your kid doesn't have sex? Yeah. Or that he's alive? Like... Also, your kid is, like, supposed to be this really good lacrosse player and stuff, and he's a cute kid. You really think he's, he's like, what, a junior in high school? Yeah, at least. like... You really think he's not? Come on, Dad. I just, I don't know, like... Having sex does not make you a bad person. Yeah. And, I mean, you would assume, too, he said, they say plenty of times, oh, he's a smart kid, he figures stuff out, so I'd assume he was being safe about it, but just, the dad's reaction just rubbed me the wrong way. I was like, really? Like, that's what you're going to focus on right now? Like, oh, no, not my son. He couldn't possibly have this. Well, we're doctors. We don't give a shit. We're not here to judge. We're just trying to treat you. It also really bothers me because I'm like... That probably means they haven't really talked to him about it. Yeah. Which means that he only knows what he's learned from other people in schools and, you know, whatever as far as safe sex practices. So it also rubbed me the wrong way. 
whatever version of the internet existed when this episode aired. Yeah, so. Dial up. Um, so, uh, we jump to house. He is back in the clinic seeing a patient who has a boil on his knee that's uh, become infected because he attempted to relieve the pressure by stabbing it with an nail file. Wow. Um, not saying I've never tried to, like, pop a boil or okay, something like that, I would, but... Um, if I was in this situation... Give me an exacto knife. An exacto knife or a freaking, I don't know, needle or I'm not something. Just stab it. Yeah, like I'm gonna poke it and try to drain it all a little bit. I'm not gonna yeah. fucking spit on it and well, then he's stick it in. Obviously, not the best. No, so it's now infected. House wonders why he came to to this hospital when he lives seventy miles away. He says like you had to have passed at least two hospitals, several doctors' clinics. Um, he deduces that the guy has most likely sued or tried to sue all of these doctors and none of them will treat him anymore, but House is like, yeah, I'll treat you anyways. Um, I'll go ahead and finish his story up because it, it doesn't really yeah, matter doesn't. for the rest of the episode, but, um, he's right. The dude comes back and says, oh, you've uh, caused me mental distress and, um, I'm suing you. Here's the papers. I'm, I'm, what does he say? Uh, I would obviously consider a settlement. So really just threatening a lawsuit, but hoping that a doctor immediately settles. Um, but House calls him on his bluff and he's like, oh no, you know, you've got gonorrhea. And the guy's like, what? No, no, I don't. And he says, well, how do you know? Because I don't have to show you the tests, but if you have gonorrhea, it's a public health issue. I have to report it and they will end up calling your house and telling your wife about it. So the guy tries to pull back and say, okay, never mind, I'm not going to do it, but House keeps the paperwork and decides to go to court with the guy, I guess, to teach him a lesson. I'm assuming that at this point the guy's probably settled with all these other doctors, and he never had a doctor actually just straight up be like, fuck it, yeah, I'll go to court against you, you got nothing. Yeah. Um, Doctors don't want to mess with that, they don't have time. Yeah, they've important things like saving people's lives. That's not... Um, But House obviously loves uh, skipping out on work, so... He's like, yeah, day in court, cool. I don't have to be it. I don't have to be here. Uh, so that's kind of the end of, of that little mini story. Uh, while undergoing another treatment with the IV penicillin, uh, Dan starts having auditory hallucinations, and he starts having tremors. And uh, they decide, okay, well, that's not good. Um, obviously, he's not getting better. Penicillin isn't working, um, which potentially means that we're wrong about his diagnosis. So the team, again, going back through, trying to figure out what's going on, goes through a mnemonic called Midnight to rule out possible uh, areas of issues. So tell us about Midnight. Okay, so Midnight, Midnight, that's a tough word apparently, um, is a medical sieve. So you funnel stuff through it to see like what's going to come out of it. Pull stuff out and see what ends up on the other side. So there's plenty of these. There's plenty of mnemonics like this. So midnight is metabolic, inflammation, degenerative, neoplastic, infection, trauma, and environmental. Um, there, and he taught, he says like, oh, well, you know, if only we had the G and the H, maybe we could figure it out. Right. The full version of this is what I'm going to call it is medic hat pine which is metabolic, endocrinological, degenerative, inflammatory, slash infective, congenital, genetic, slash inherited, um, hematological, 
which would be blood hematological yeah that sounds right um autoimmune traumatic psychological neurological idiopathic neoplastic and environmental so I don't that's know. a lot yeah i midnight rolls off the tongue a little better maybe that's why they went with <laughs> that know. for the show but yeah so this i mean that is a real thing where you can go through and kind of it's not this let's move on to this area and yeah. i guess that kind of in terms of differential diagnosis helps them mm-hmm. look at okay these are all the basic things that could cause problems let's see which ones we can rule out and then if we can't rule one out we'll follow that yeah so they end up ruling out all of them um, useful very useful so he's stumped um so house decides to focus on the fact that this kid's brain is basically torturing him and making him suffer so he tells the team to do an eeg with left and right eog microphones um he says esophageal eog microphones which is silly because eog it's means esophageal esophageal so an eog says, mic is an esophageal mic it's like calling in an atm machine or yes. something uh but we find out, like, we were wondering when we were looking it up, why would he ask yeah, them to do no that? This makes no me. sense. Why does he need to record the kid's swallow reflex? But we find out um, literally right after that that he's hanging out with Wilson during lunch. And Wilson's like, what the hell? Why? And <laughs> House is like, I panicked. I couldn't think of anything. So I just told them to do something. Uh, and they bought it. So that's what they're doing right now. Which, like, an EEG, fine, but... They've already done those on him? Yeah. Also? So it's just... And then, like, the esophageal mics don't make any sense. I think he's he's counting on them not really understanding what he's looking for with an EEG while also doing the, yeah. the esophageal mics. So he kind of pushes that off or whatever. But while he's sitting there talking with Wilson, um, the parents approach him and are kind of berating him for the fact that he's just hanging out while their son's dying. Um he demonstrates that he actually knows all of the the son's charts uh he recognizes everything he's been on top of it but they just kind of have to wait right now and tells them to go comfort him but he uses this as an excuse to get a hold of their coffee cups so he can run a dna test on them to actually confirm that uh, the dad is not the dad um he actually is pretty harsh with cameron when he asks her to do it he she's in there running different tests and labs and stuff and uh she's like why should i do this are you you really want me to do this and he's like uh yeah you're gonna do it you're not doing anything else so just go do this for me yeah so kind of harsh yeah um because she's i mean she's ethical yeah so she's like hey you didn't can't just do this which like you can <laughs> but whatever it's fine yeah um so here we get into the lie of this episode the dns oh my god the dna tests there we go um <laughs> i knew i could do it i just knew it prove that not only is dan's father not his father but his mother is not his mother dun, dun, dun. plot twist um he comes in on the parents talking to cuddy saying they want to move him i guess they don't like the diagnosis, they don't like how House is handling it, but House uh, gets mad at them and says, why did you lie to me? Why did you lie and tell me that you're his parents? And they're like, oh, we are his parents. And he's like, uh, no, I don't care about which of you loves him the most or whatever. I needed to know 
the biological history of his parents, of his actual parents, and they say that they gave him an accurate history of uh, Dan's biological mom, which I guess he missed, or maybe he thought the history he was reading was this mom, but it was actually the biological mom? Yeah. Okay. They, when they gave the history, the mom gave him the biological moms and just pretended it was hers. Okay, that makes more sense. Um, So with that, he decides to say, hey, was Dan's biological mother vaccinated when she was a baby? And they're like, well, Dan got his vaccinations when he was six months old. And he's like, I don't care. Did, Did the mom get her vaccinations? Which it appears that she did not, based on how the parents react and where they go from here. So, um... The way they explain it and where we get into the actual problem that Dan has. Uh, Dan picked up the measles virus from his mother, who was not vaccinated. Um, When he was very little, you know, just young baby, he had a rash, he had a fever, but it went away. Um, And uh, I'm assuming maybe either that happened after he had been adopted, because they say they adopted him at two weeks old. So either it happened afterwards and they just wrote it off as baby stuff or it happened before and they just didn't know about it but um the virus stayed in his system and ended up mutating which apparently is like one in a million it doesn't happen all that often but it mutated and ended up in his brain and so he is suffering from that was my drum roll subacute sclerosing panencephalitis yeah fuck yeah i did it good job bud thanks um it is extremely rare. At the time of this episode, he says there's only been 20 cases in the United States in the past 30 years. So, apparently, not all that common. But, hey, that's in House's wheel house. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Um, and then they, they say that he's still in stage one, but he's already showing symptoms of stage two. So, tell us all about that, please. I will. I'm going to talk for a little bit. Um... I do want to insert my little horror corner here. Horror corner. There's some horrors in this house. Um, it was about penicillin, and I just kind of like forgot to insert the. And it's not horror at all. It's just, um, originally penicillin was called mold juice. <laughs> that was its original name, which makes sense because it's that's how they like. Found yeah, out it's about made it. out of uh, yeah. penicillin uh, but, fungus or whatever. But yeah, so penicillin was originally known as mold juice. Let me just give you some mold juice for that infection there. When I go to the bar, I'm going to order uh, lovely mold juice on the rocks. Yes. Anyways, okay. Oof. Let's talk about measles. Um, I'm going to talk briefly about measles because we don't really care about it. So measles are caused by morbillivirus. Um, symptoms include fever, cough, runny nose, rash, inflamed eyes, and it lasts about 7 to 10 days. So, yeah, we... Measles is not common anymore because we get vaccines for it. You should vaccinate your children, please. Thank you. Um, so that's all I'm going to say about measles. Oh, we forgot to talk about those darn oligoclonal bands. Oh, yeah. It It's okay. I'll just, um, it's literally just bands that you see when you collect cerebrospinal fluid, which they do so a that's, few times. That's when they, they tested his spinal fluid because mm-hmm. they were looking for MS and they found that. Yeah. And you, you can see if they're like mutated and stuff. Okay. Which does also happen in MS. That happens in a few different things, but also in this. Anyways. Okay. So subacute sclerosal 
sclerosing panencephalitis, also known as Dawson disease. Try to find out why? Could not. Dawson's Creek disease. Yes. So this is a progressive brain inflammation problem from hypermutated measles virus. Um, it's about 1 in 10,000, and there are less than 10 cases a year in the USA. So you're because, saying there's a chance. Yes, because vaccines. Right. So if you go somewhere that doesn't have vaccines, you're going to get a little bit higher numbers, but it is still very rare, even yeah. without vaccines. Um, there's no cure. <laughs> so we'll get into that in a second. Um, it's almost always fatal, and you die in one to three years. Yikes. So, so it is a sclerosis. It's just like a different type of yeah. MS, and it's also, like you said, an encephalopathy mm-hmm. thing. So they were they were beating around the bush, but yeah. just weren't quite there yet. Yeah, um, which makes sense because it's so rare. Like yeah. this wouldn't be your your go to. Um, your asymptomatic period averages seven years, but it can be up to twenty seven. Um, I found different numbers in every medical journal that I read on, you know, the averages and how long it can it can lay dormant, um, but it's it can chill for a while is what we're saying. So. You have measles, and then it can just hang out in your body, right? So in this case, it hung out for around 16 years, 15, 16 years, depending on when he got it. There are four stages. Let's talk about those, because they say he's still in stage one, but he's showing signs of stage two. Moving into stage two, right. So stage one, um, there are personality changes, mood swings, depression, fever, headaches. This can last up to six months. Stage two... Can we talk about stage one? Well, I was going to... Oh, you just go, go I, through and we'll talk I, yeah, about each of them yeah. after. Okay. Um, stage two involves jerking, muscle spasms, seizures, loss of vision, dementia. Which, remember, we talked about last week. Dementia isn't what it's a symptom. we it's think about a with disease, Alzheimer's. Yeah. Right. Um, stage three, jerking movements are replaced by writhing and twisting movements and rigidity. Um, and then stage four, the final stage, has breathing, heart rate, blood pressure problems like which everything is just straight you, up stopping when you get to stage four like you will probably thankfully go into a coma um if you get to stage two you're done and i'll talk a little bit about studies this is still being studied um you know currently and recently we don't have a lot of information about it because it's so rare yeah so and probably not a lot of incentive to study it because, because it's with so measles rare. vaccinations <laughs> yeah. and stuff. There's... It'd be easier to just uh, get vaccinated. Yeah. So, okay. Stage one. I This is where I have issues with how they um, talked about this in the show. So stage one is a lot of like personality stuff, but they don't talk about anything with that. They just say, oh, he has double vision and now he has this myoclonic jerk. Well, they that... don't talk about like, oh, he's been acting weird or... He's acting moody when he's usually yeah, so happy or something. That shows he's already in stage two. And to me, the way it's presented in this episode, he's been in stage two for three weeks. Like just straight, yeah. He yeah. was already dealing with it, but maybe they just didn't notice. Yeah. I mean, who knows? They're not willing to talk to their son about sex. Maybe they just kind of are distant parents moody. at times. And they're like, okay, yeah. well, he's just being a teenager. Right. That's so, his dad. I did his dad's voice. It kind of... it. To me, if I was looking at these stages and then looking at this episode, I would say he's solidly in stage two, which means, uh, old boy ain't gonna make it. Right. So, did you have something you wanted to talk about with stage two? No, no, just, yeah, that, that in general, the fact that, 
like they they say oh he's you can make an argument that he's still in stage one but he's showing early signs of stage two yeah and again with i guess we'll get into it when you talk about treatments and stuff like that but does it really matter if there's no cure for it it is does, there a way to prevent moving into stage two? It does matter. So if you're in stage one, um, you can treat it and get up to like 50% remission rates. Okay. So there's just no definitive cure. Um, but if it's you're still like, in stage this is one... It, it works every yeah, time. Yeah, it thing. is lifelong treatment, mm-hmm. um, which we'll also talk about in a second, but there's a chance. Um, <laughs> I did want to also touch on, they do a retina biopsy. Um Yes. Because they don't want to do a brain biopsy. They, they're talking about doing a, a brain biopsy, but they're having issues with it because they've already given him so much stuff that they're just... Well, they, they want to do like a blood test or something. They can't do that because they've given him so much shit that it's going to mess up the test results. They're talking about a brain biopsy, but his brain's are already so swollen, they really want to avoid that. So they do retinal biopsy. A retinal biopsy. biopsy. And they make a big deal about this. They talk about how um, they're going to go through the pupil... To go back he and he's not going to feel says, it and stuff. You're yes. going through your pupil. Yeah. Um, which you, you could, but you're going to go through your lens and cornea and yeah. that's going to permanently damage that. Fuck up your eye. Yeah. And you could be blind. So how they actually do that, this is a thing, but you go in through the sclera, the white part of your eye. So, so you, you kind of like have you go like up or diagonally. Something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you can still do a retinal biopsy, but I thought it was so weird that they specifically were like, oh, hey, we're going through your pupil. I don't know if it's just more dramatic because, yeah. like, needles going directly It's just at his eye. to freak people out or something. Like, they yeah, show his eyes dilated and all this stuff. Not, they paralyzed it. That's not how that works. Well, and I, I thought it was interesting, too, when, when we were looking at this, and uh, in particular, the biopsy. They say even if you go through the sclera, they still don't like doing retinal biopsies because even going through there can fuck up your yeah. vision permanently. It I'm is- assuming it was just, like, a last resort i feel like it is better than a brain brain biopsy yeah in this case um but yeah so okay are we ready to well they do the biopsy it confirms the diagnosis uh, i'm gonna talk about some criteria of um confirming subacute sclerosing panencephalitis and then we'll talk about treatment okay so okay there's five different criteria um and you need to meet three of these okay um so clinical let me just, uh, clinical EEG, CSF, which is cerebrospinal fluid, measles antibodies, and brain biopsy. Okay. So going through those without getting like crazy into him, um, he is showing clinical, like with his myoclonic jerk. Okay. That's one of those. Um, we saw it with the EEG with his night terrors. Mm-hmm. The CSF, we saw the illegal clonal bands mm-hmm. that were having issues. Um, measles antibodies... They don't really talk about, but, like, I feel like they probably did test they, them, They right? did, like, a, yeah. a graphic or something like that yeah. showing them sucking up the measles virus. Yeah. So they're and like, they, okay, we found and it. And that's the, essentially, brain biopsy. They do a retinal biopsy. So he is meeting those criteria. So those are those are what they use to look at this and go, hey, is this actually it? Yeah. And I would assume, I mean, for the first three, like, they, they were like, okay, well, it's MS. But specifically because they found the measles, they go with yeah. this one, SSPE. Yes. Okay. Dawson's. So, uh, we get into the treatment. Foreman tells the parents that um, the treatment of uh, intraventricular interferon is a very dangerous um, procedure, uh, but they should do it anyways. 
I guess he he says you know this is this is his best chance, but he he starts to explain it to them, and then they're like, "What does that mean?" And he's like, "Ah, fuck it, I could tell you all of this stuff, and frankly, it's just gonna go over your head, so I'm just gonna." Straight up say it. It's a dangerous treatment. You should do it anyways. Which would piss yeah. me off. He, they do it and he does improve. But let's talk about the treatment and our feelings. Because I got the feelings I... for this. Okay. First of all, it's insulting to say you're not going to understand it. Sure, the way he says don't... it is so insulting. They yeah. don't have medical training. Cool. Uh, Pretty sure they can use a computer. Or talk to someone, or God forbid, foreman sit down with them and actually explain like what the hell this means. Yeah. If we can kind of explain it on this podcast, then in, a medical <laughs> if this doctor was an could figure thing, out how to do it. I feel like that's part of being a good teacher. Yeah. Um. Or, but also, doctor, is being able to break it down into layman's terms and make them understand. Like, and also, this is a lifelong treatment, which they don't say. Yeah. But this is something that will be happening to their son for the rest of his life. And he's just going to say, like, screw it, you should just do it? Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, and as uh, we're looking at and all of that, like, in order to start a treatment, especially, I mean, pretty much any treatment, but especially one that's aggressive, you have to get informed consent. Yeah, this and isn't a pill you take a couple yeah, times. This is, like, straight up, really aggressive, very dangerous, lots of potential side effects and problems and all of that. And he doesn't explain any of it, so he's just asking for a lawsuit. If something goes wrong, they could literally sue him and say, he didn't feel like explaining it to us, he didn't feel like explaining what could go wrong, so we agreed to it, and now, you know, Dan's fucked, so we're suing him. And they would probably win that case. Because, I would say so. Yeah, they didn't get, con uh, he didn't get conformed, oh my god. Conformed incent. Conformed incent. Uh, informed consent from them, so... Anyways, for the sake of the episode, I guess, uh, they go ahead with the treatment and he starts to improve. Uh, he's able to, uh, they ask him again to do the animal naming test. He asks him to say uh, an animal starting with the letter O. He comes up with ostrich, ox, old elephant. Uh, <laughs> we didn't we didn't really talk about that earlier. What What is with that test? The animal naming test is, um, I don't know why they put this in here i'll be honest um so it's a fluency test it shows cognitive function of certain areas of the brain like Prefrontal the prefrontal cortex, cortex and yeah. interior cortical areas um normally you would do like all right i'm gonna time you for one minute and name as many things in this category so it could be animals but like it normally wouldn't be animals starting with o yeah. Or, you know, it would just be, like, animals. Um, so when you're doing it that way, the average for a adult is 20 to 25 in one minute. Um, this is used a lot when looking at Alzheimer's patients because you're tracking, um, you know, how their brain is doing. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, a lot of Alzheimer's patients, um, early onset, they can only do, like, 10 to 15 as opposed to 20 to 25 to give you a, a general idea. they just can't recall the, the words or mm -hmm. the names or anything like that. And it is used in some encephalopathy, like, cases, but mostly hepatic, which I thought was interesting. That's your liver. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, it's... I'm not gonna say, like, it's just in there to be interesting, but I feel like it kind of is. I thought... It's it's interesting to me, because, um, as you said, they use this for a lot of different 
problems and diagnoses and stuff. It's not just one thing. They use it for a lot, just, I guess, to, in general, to measure specific brain function mm-hmm. or ability. Um, House does it when he assumes Dan is suffering from sexual abuse or PTSD, like yeah, right off the bat. That's why I don't understand. Yeah, it's, like... it's weird that he picked that because that's yeah. not necessarily brain damage that is related to your mind and, and all that stuff, but... Um, it's weird that he asks him that in the beginning, yeah. but clearly, even in the beginning, something is wrong, and then at this point, they ask again to show any improvement, which I suppose if you were literally only able to name one before, and it was Baby Elephant, <laughs> um, and that they don't necessarily time him this time. They yeah, just want to see if he can come up with anything at all. I feel like they just do it as like a callback thing. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, a... he names two and then Old Elephant, which, like, ha-ha, oh, see, he's making a joke. But, he's so but funny. like, also, can you really only name two? Because that's a problem, buddy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Listen here, buddy. So, yeah, that's that's that. Um, and then the last thing we find out is Dan knew he was adopted because in fifth, gr- fifth grade, when they were studying uh, genetics in his biology class, he saw that he has a cleft chin and his dad... And his mom do not. And he figured out, oh, it's one of those trait things. Um, And Foreman is like, you're right, that's autosomal dominant, that if your parents don't have it, it's highly unlikely that you're related to them. Uh, Do you have any notes on that? Oh, I I don't. Sorry. That's fine. I feel like like literally all of us do those tests when we're in school. It's it's just one of those traits that is... Uh, because it's a dominant trait, if one of your parents have it, it's going to be passed down. Yeah, which is much. how House knew in the beginning, which is yep. why he started all those bets. Yep, he, he saw that right off the bat. He wasn't looking at anything else that they were focusing on. He saw the cleft chin, he's like, yep, that's not his dad. So, uh, that's pretty much the end of that episode. Uh, we can talk about some interesting character developments and such. i got to talk about treatment. Oh, yeah, you do. Bro. Intraventricular interferon and that whole mess. Yeah. I did want to throw in here also um, that paternity tests should cost you about three to $500. And they, they quote like that it 3, costs like 30, yeah, 32, 3600 Please which, don't pay that for a paternity test. Yeah. You could do it cheaper. That's like if you went to a hospital and did it that way. That'd be, yeah. So anyways. Okay. So... IV interferon. It was probably alpha. Sometimes they use beta, but there are two different types of interferon. There's probably more, but general. Um, so interferon is a signal protein. And normally, we, we already have this. Um, normally, a virus-infected cell releases them, and then it tells others to up their antiviral efforts. So this is like... Your cell panics... Like, we're standing outside, and I see a stampede coming towards us. And I say, ah, stampede, giving you a chance to go, oh, shit, stampede. You know, let's get prepared for this, Yeah, essentially, right? So that's what interferon does. Um, so there, you get treated with that. He would probably also get anticonvulsants. Um, he might not, because he hasn't been twitching more as this progresses so depending on where he's at in this um and then also isoprenazine um which is an antiviral immunostimulant so makes sense right viruses right so i said this isn't curable i said that once you're in stage two you're fucked i i said a lot of things right and these are 
these are what I could find because it's for it's fucking rare. It's yeah. Yeah. And I read a lot of medical papers. I spent a really long time reading through them. Um, what I found generally, so this disease can have spontaneous remission, but it's like 5%. So about 5% of people who end up with this, their body will actually get rid of it. Okay. And they'll be okay. Um, Dan's obviously not doing that. Um, so when you use the IV interferon and the isoprenazine, uh, mm-hmm. if you're still in stage one, you can have up to a 50% remission rate, which is... Flip, flip of the coin, but... It's, it's giving you something. Yeah. But again, this is a lifelong treatment. Um, this interferon isn't... It, he'll have to go, like, to a clinic or hospital or whatever. It's not just a one-time thing. Yeah, and also, it depends on what part of the world you're in, but not everywhere does this. It's not like you can walk to your corner, you know, standalone clinic and get this treatment done. Like, yeah. this is a big deal, um, which means it's going to be expensive. Also, with the isoprenazine... Um, Generally, you get daily doses of 100 milligrams per kilogram per day. So that's a lot. Um, that is a lot. They Jeez. are generally sold by the tablet. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. So looking, looking at these is very interesting because it is not an oft-used drug. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't just go on, you know, GoodRx and find their like price for it if they're covering it because this isn't this isn't normal okay um if you search this online you will get a ton of websites from like india and zimbabwe and all these places trying to sell you bottles of it mm-hmm. so like a bottle of a hundred of them for two hundred dollars which isn't like horrible but again lifelong and depending on how much he's having to take and what the dosage is and stuff i assume you're um, finding it there because measles is still going on yes. in some of these places okay when looking for it in the united states um i found two different websites that were selling it by the tablet these were 500 milligram tablets for 26 dollars each so like we're talking lifelong yeah <laughs> it's it, it was really hard for me to find numbers, but again, between that and then the interferon, they better have some good insurance. Yeah. Yet again, we're, we're then, coming back to that. Even with that, we're talking 50% remission rates, um, and you're you're going to have issues the rest of your life with this. Like, it's it's it can be in remission, but it could relapse. It could come back. Um, if that treatment doesn't work for him, he's going to die in three years or less. Is pretty much it's one to three years is where so you're I at. Get, I guess the the whole point of it, oh, it's dangerous. It's it's either it'll work or it won't. If we don't do it, he's gonna you die anyway. You have no chance. Yeah. yeah. So, I thought it was really interesting that they did a very fatal disease. Yeah. Sorry, I keep hitting that. <laughs> you toesies. Um, yeah, they, and I think this one. Um, and they they want to go with something flashy and fancy and all that that we don't something want something super rare. Yeah, we don't. But there's want tons of rare simple. diseases that can be cured. <laughs> That's true, I guess. And it's it's interesting too because in this case, obviously, oh, we're gonna treat him and he's just fine. And yeah, we don't see. Did you um watch yes. the last game? Okay. Yes. Okay. So um, at the very end, we see House at a lacrosse game 
watching it. I thought the first couple times I was watching it that it was saying that he's back playing lacrosse, and I was like, nope. not with a hole in his skull, he's not. <laughs> Especially if they they were given him, they drilled a hole in his skull to give him the treatment, and if it's an ongoing thing, then they're going to have to yeah. keep doing that. So he ain't playing lacrosse, but it's not. He okay. plays for the Tartans, and, and it's, not them. it's not them. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we but, wanted uh, to make sure of that because yeah. I, I also thought that and I was like, no, no. Motherfucker, that is not <laughs> it. All right. So uh, major character developments here. Um, so we see House showing once again he is not opposed to being very blunt and rude with people and patients. This is his kind of no bullshit thing. He's not going to be soft or he, he's not going to do any of that. He's going to tell people like it is. He does it with... Dan's parents when he directly confronts them on uh, possible abuse. He does it with the anti-vaxxer mom um, by telling her, hey, you know, your kid's going to fucking die. If Your kid's probably going to fucking die if you don't get, get him vaccinated. Um, so we, again, kind of learned that about him. Um, I thought it was interesting that, again, I kind of mentioned this earlier, that he wants to go see Dan the second he thinks that he might be suffering from PTSD or sexual abuse. And I wasn't sure if that was just his interest that was piqued or if it was something specific about him being a kid possibly going through this. Obviously there's the the side of things that if he's a doctor he's gotta report that. Yeah. But But he seems to really care. Him yeah, being particularly interested in caring about it was interesting to me. Um the uh, episode also strongly implies that House played lacrosse when he was younger, before oh, he was yeah. in Farkshin. Um, he ends up holding his cane like a lacrosse stick. Uh, he uses some jargon when he's watching them play, which to me implies he either knows lacrosse really well or he played it, so he, he knows the, the terms that they might use. Um, for Wilson, we find out Wilson is willing to lie and cover for House or... Uh, encourage house to lie he suggests that uh, oh you know if you don't have anything to do right now in the clinic why don't you just tell cuddy that you've got an urgent case yeah and it doesn't work because house doesn't have any cases at the moment and then also when um they think they're about to be confronted by cuddy about the paternity bet um he again covers for him he's like no that no that's not going on that's not something you would do um maybe half jokingly but he sounds pretty sarcastic yeah but uh He's willing to cover for House in a lot of ways. Um, Cuddy shows that she is not at all above uh, making that bet with House. Mm-hmm. Um, and she even pays up on her end. They bet if he loses, he's got to go to this uh, fancy, uh, I guess, dinner or um, meeting Some or something. Some sort of gala yeah. thing, yeah. And if uh, she loses, he gets out of clinic duty for a week and she takes it. Um, she does ask him to pay for the DNA test at the end, which again, she quotes at like $3,200, which he scoffs at because he's like, we own the sequencing machine. Yeah. Why would we charge that much for it? Um, it's, uh, I think it's interesting that she kind of doesn't really want to encourage his bad behavior, um, but she's willing to kind of let it go as long as it doesn't affect hospital resources yeah because she jumps in on the bet right away she's cool with it or whatever the only time she gets upset when she finds out he did the dna test 
um, and cost the hospital money. So, um, which I don't know what she expected, but whatever. Yeah. I, I, I really don't <laughs> it's know. It's fine. I, I think she maybe thought he would just ask him at some point, but that's just not how House yeah. does things. Um, we find out that uh, Cameron has at least one sibling, possibly more, um, because House confronts her on it. Whenever uh, he shoots Dan's case down initially, she comes to him and he's like, oh, you just did that to embarrass me. You just did that to make me look bad. And he's like, uh, why does everything have to be about you? And are you an only child? And she's like, no, I'm not. Um, we also find out he, or she's doing a lot of his clerical work and that she's willing to forge his signature to get him to take a case. Um, I thought it was interesting. She's the one who seems to be doing the most testing, doing the most things this episode. Um, obviously she cares. She has a really good work ethic. Yeah. And also I think she's the type that wants to stay busy. Yeah. And is probably the most type A of that group. So as... As a type A female, <laughs> um, pretty much anywhere I end up working, I end up taking on extra like paperwork duties yeah, because just it's just to, if I'm gonna if I have to be here, I might as well be doing something. Yeah. Um, I thought this was interesting. I have a theory. I think Foreman has been working way too hard, um, and House is still riding him really hard. And either House knows that he's working hard and he doesn't care, or he just doesn't recognize that it's happening but foreman misses a lot of things in this he says that um like he didn't notice the cleft chin which as soon as he he hears that he's like fuck why didn't i think of that i know that well and there is also like after the night that dan goes missing like foreman's about to leave yeah and he says he just wants to go home and shower like he has right back in yeah and you can see like in his eyes the entire episode all the way up through the very end he just looks exhausted yeah the entire time and he also states whenever they come up with the uh i want to say it again subacute sclerosing panencephalitis boom he did it again um he looks frustrated with himself right then because he says i missed it on my boards um it's one that he may have looked at before but he just skipped right past it again maybe because he's so tired but or because it's like super rare but whatever yeah that too um but it appears either he's pushing himself really hard or House is pushing pushing him really hard or maybe both. Yeah. Um, I mentioned this earlier today. Today. <laughs> gotta go to bed, buddy. It's, I gotta take a nap here. Um, today, during this, this thing that we're doing. Right. Uh, Chase is uh, kind of coming across as a house shill. Um, I notice, aside from the fact that he keeps on throwing out ideas even if they're bad ones, um, because he believes House sees something and he doesn't want to just sit there and do nothing. Uh, he throws out, you know, oh, it's viral meningitis, and House is like, uh, are you sure about that? Do you have a reason for saying that, or are you just saying that because I think there might be something? He's like, oh, it's because you did. And then when they're talking about uh, the IV penicillin treatment, um, House asks them, okay, well, we don't want to put it into their body. We can't put it into their brain. Is there a third option? And Chase immediately raises his hand. He's like, yep. House says, okay, what is it? And he's like, I don't know. You just asked if I thought there was one. Um, So he seems very much like a yes man in this. And I don't know if he really actually believes in House's abilities as a doctor and he just doesn't question that or if he's sucking up. 
But I also noticed that Chase is the only doctor who doesn't take House up on the paternity bet. I also noticed that. Yeah, he's well. Literally... Cameron doesn't either because Cameron does because he ends up saying at the end, "There's the hundred that Cameron knows oh, me." Oh yeah, yeah. So every one of them takes him up on it except for Chase. Again, don't know if it's because he's a suck up or because he actually he's getting used to House right now and the fact that House is rarely wrong or House is usually at least on the right track. So. He's not going to bet against him. Um, it does come across a little kiss-assy. Uh, but, you know, there it is. Um, I guess that's, that's kind of most of it. I guess uh, closing thoughts, I, I was going to say again with the insurance stuff, like the fact that... Wow, I don't know if you heard that. That was my stomach. Um, <laughs> I was wondering what that was. Well, A, the fact that the hospital... Uh, would charge 3200 for a DNA test is annoying annoying and frustrating. And again, like he says, we own the equipment. Why, you know, why do we need to charge this much if we own it? We're not renting it or something. Um, all of these treatments, like you said, you'd have to have some kick-ass insurance because this is going to be a lifelong thing. And uh, that would suck well, really bad if you didn't have insurance. His life might only be three years, so... That's know. true, unless it works out. We never really follow back up with nope. old Dan here. Um, there, there's not really cliffhangers? No, not really. I thought it was I feel like they're still just kind of building, building yeah, our building cast. building figuring out who people getting are. Getting us interested. Yeah, I think it's interesting that House knows enough about the orderlies to know that they leave the door cracked so they can go out and smoke... Like, apparently, he I could see interacts House hanging with, out on the roof. Yeah, or with just with the orderlies in general. Yeah. I mean, he's, in later episodes, we see him hanging out in different doctor's lounges yeah. and stuff like he that. He also, so. he hears things. Yeah, he's got his ear to the ground. Yeah, so. so I could see somebody just being like, oh yeah, I left it unlocked for you type of thing. Or... Yeah, and finding out that, um, I think maybe House may have also taken an interest in the kid because he's a lacrosse, lacrosse. player. And he lost his ability to play because of his infarction and maybe he's looking at it like this guy's still young if i can help him in some way maybe this won't ruin his life yeah. or ruin his chances or anything we're uh, seeing a little bit of a softer side yeah it, it seems he every episode he reveals a little bit more of a, a softness to him but uh yeah that's pretty much it i think that's episode two that is episode two um You'll never believe it, but uh, next time we'll be doing episode three. Oh my god. I started on... I gotta redo my notes for next episode. Oh man, we're not doing episode three. Crap. No, okay, yeah. it's fine. Uh, we'll see you next time if you've got any ideas about that whole McPherson thing or yep. the whole uh, thinking 100 miles an hour, really deep thoughts. Yep. Please tell yeah, us. Yeah, we do. Um, I set up an Instagram. So the Instagram is housekeeping.podcast. So go give us a follow. Um, shoot us a message. Send yeah. us pictures. Oh. Send us appropriate. Oh, oh, okay, pictures. No, don't. If you're gonna slide into the DM, slide in with that good medical information. <laughs> That's how you're gonna pick us up. That's how you're gonna me, anyways. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Well, hope you guys are uh, happy. Happy, enjoying it, and uh, we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.